Okay, welcome to Progressive News Network and the Environmental Justice Report. We've combined both shows here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Janine Moloff. I am the producer and the host of both shows. Well, you know, Election Day is coming on, and you hear a lot of chatter about what happened. You know, you, you hear the corporate Democrats claiming that, you know, the red wave that was predicted was just a little sputtering of ketchup on the walls, you know, at Donald Trump's expense. And the Republicans are claiming, you know, we, we, we won it all. Okay, we didn't quite get what we wanted, and the Republicans are busy trying to push, once again, this false equivalence argument. You don't have to look any further than on today's show with This Week with George Stephanopoulos, and he has on uh, the newly, I guess, elected or reelected governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu. He's a Republican, and Sununu was talking about the problem with Republicans was the quality of the candidates. And he keeps pushing this. There were extremists on both sides. <clears throat> Wrong. Okay. You could just see Pinocchio's nose getting longer and longer and longer. And frankly, Republicans nowadays, and at the risk of sounding like I'm stereotyping them, but this is a humorous aside. Republicans like Donald Trump and, yes, alleged moderates like Sununu, tell lies of omission or outright lies so often the the Pinocchio nose grows so long I don't think there's a prophylactic out there to accommodate that level of girth okay and by prophylactic for those of you that are a little intellectually bereft that means a condom a rubber so and, and so you know my calling Republicans especially Donald Trump a, a dirty condom no, but, you know, if the condom fits, I, okay, I'm being a little ridiculous here. Again, the false equivalency thing is something that really irritates me because while there are two extremes, people on the far left that are much further left than me and people on the far right, the fact is if you actually look at the statistical evidence, the fact is that not, according to the FBI, 99% or thereabouts, of violent crimes, political crimes that have been committed, have come from the far right. Less than 1% have come from the left. Okay, that's evidence, folks. But once again, Sununu pushes, peddles this false equivalence garbage, and Stephanopoulos lets him get away with it, just like Martha Raddatz did a couple of weeks ago with Rick Scott. It needs to stop. All right? It just does. Put bluntly, a... Lie of omission, where you represent something as the truth while basically omitting all the relevant or most of the relevant evidence is still a type of a lie. Okay? It just is. You know, when you go to court and they say, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? <clears throat> That's what we're talking about. False equivalence is a lie, put bluntly. And the whole truth means no, no lies of omission. Sorry, doesn't work that way. So if you saw our advert, um, and again, you probably didn't because Facebook's logarithm has put us way down. So I really need people to share widely, not only on their own Facebook pages, but on Twitter, uh, you name it. Because I've been banned from a lot of things, not because they did anything wrong, but because, you know, I'm an open progressive and they can't have that. So the advert today was 
GOP wins via voter suppression and other cheats. And it's true. And if you actually saw the advert, I'll read it anyway. The GOP of Trump has taken control of both houses of Congress. Now, I wrote this. I'm going to stop for a second. I wrote this before we found out that it looks like the Democrats actually did take the Senate. So I'll amend that statement, okay? They did so, but they did take far too much. They did so with an organized program of blatant voter suppression not seen since the height of Jim Crow. Georgia Governor Kemp actually deputized violent vigilantes to challenge the voting rights of some, get this, 149,000 people. In other states, the GOP was caught instructing poll workers to secretly break rules as evidenced by leaked audio. So why are these GOP operatives so bold? That's due to a Supreme Court ruling from court conservative, what I'll call fascist, that grants faux legitimacy, in other words, false legitimacy, to gerrymandering in the case of Merrill v. Milligan. Now, I'm going to amend that statement a little bit. I can admit when I've been wrong. Um, basically, Merrill v. Milligan, and we'll get into it in the program, um, didn't quite do that. I think it actually defended the rights of minorities, but then through SCOTUS challenges, the court um, basically stood with the gerrymanderers. So we'll get into that. And again, I can admit when I made a mistake. This show will investigate how the GOP suppressed the vote of minorities and how we can end this denial of equal voting rights. We also have our coveted Jackass of the Week Award. And oh, we have a very special Jackass this week. You're going to love it. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Okay? So we're going to go to this first article that I have. And this article coincides with uh, a documentary that was just released by by colleague, and I'd like to thank a friend. We've had him on the show, uh, noted journalist of, of some renown, Greg Pallast. And the film is called Vigilante. And it was uh, basically produced by noted actor Martin, Martin Sheen. Uh, Rosario Dawson is the narrator. And it nails the basically the voter suppression, especially in Georgia, under Brian Kemp. Uh, in fact, the show goes into very gory detail about Brian, how Brian Kemp's family has been in the slave trade. They were actually it was a different name. Uh, they were actually the family that helped bring some of the first slaves into Georgia. Uh, again, the last name wasn't Kemp, it was another relative, but once again, it turns out that Brian Kemp comes from a long line of slavers, Klansmen, um, hell, I'll call them neo-Nazis. And for those of you that get upset with me constantly comparing uh, white supremacists to Nazis, get over yourselves, because when Hitler was planning the Holocaust, was planning the massive genocide, According to documents from Hitler and his team, Hitler borrowed these ideas and modeled them on, guess what, the Jim Crow South of the day. So, yeah, if you're fine with Jim Crow, that means, yes, you are the same as a Nazi. Okay? If you can remain silent in the face of these crimes, you're granting them license. That means, yeah, you're on the wrong side of history. So let's move on. So this is an article that was actually um, written by Greg Pallast and published in Truth Out, among other places. And the headline 
uh, is simply Georgia's governor deputized GOP vigilantes to challenge 149,000 voters. It's unbelievable. And this is part of a series that's being run in truth now called Voting Wrongs. And so Palace article starts out with a specific case. And this specific case um, dealt with a black man who's lived in the same place for years. He works for the Pentagon. His name is Major, I hope I'm not mispronouncing his first name. He holds the rank of Major, Major Gamaliel Turner. Now, he was assigned to the Pentagon. Um, I'm sorry, let me back up. He was assigned by the Pentagon to the naval base at Port Hunemi, California, but his hometown and his voter registration is in Columbus, Georgia. And so he was on assignment over 2,000 miles away, so of course he needed an absentee ballot. So he called his hometown registrar in Columbus, Georgia, and you know he wanted to find out where's his, where's his absentee ballot. He hadn't received it. And he assumed it was missing. Well, it wasn't missing. The voting registrar in Columbus, Georgia, never sent Major Turner his ballot. And when he asked why, he said, quote, Mr. Turner, you have been challenged, end quote. And what does challenged mean? Well, there was a new law in Georgia, and it was signed by Governor Brian Kemp last year called just a very innocuous uh title SB 202 but SB 202 contains a lot of problems um, part of it is it allows any any person to challenge get this an unlimited number of voters okay court, and one of the quotes from SB 202 is quote there shall not be a limit on the number of persons whose qualifications such elector and then parentheses voter may challenge end quote Okay, so the man who challenged Major Gamaliel Turner, you know, a, a man who has served his country with honor, also blocked 4,000 other voters in Columbus, Georgia. And you have to kind of knock your head, your head on the wall and just think, what kind of jerk would do that? Now, they're not just challenging voters. You have to understand this. They're making challenges based on some spreadsheets where maybe there's an inconsistency and accusing these people with no real evidence. Okay. So going back to the reason for SB 202, the Republican party and Brian Kemp who worked hand in hand for the Trump administration with voter suppressor, Chris Kobach from Kansas, they're claiming this is to prevent voter fraud, but According to what Palast wrote, quote, not a single one of these hundreds of thousands of allegedly fraud, fraudulent voters has been charged, let alone convicted, of the crime of attempting to vote illegally. This is, end quote, this is very important. Okay? The bottom line is this. In this country, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, for one. You know, I find it absolutely outrageous that Donald Trump, for instance, can take, illegally steal, top secret military documents, store them in what is an, un, an unsecure closet and still not be charged. But these people have been threatened. They have had their vote right to vote rescinded, but none of them have been charged or convicted thus far 
There's no proof that they voted illegally. Their only crime is that for the majority of time, they are people of color, specifically black, but also Hispanic. Anyone not white enough. So let's talk about the jerk who challenged Major Gamaliel Turner. Okay? Well, apparently his name is Alton Russell. And Mr. Alton Russell also happens to be the chairman of the Republican Party of Columbus, Georgia. He's also uh, considered a close ally of Kemp, party's Republican leadership state committee. Well, excuse me for a second. We've got to take a little drink of tea here. My throat's giving me trouble today. And Alton Russell, you know, it would be easy to be angrier at him, except that he's such a, a, a joke, seriously. Uh, and a character, you know, he dresses up like a cowboy, cowboy hat, boots. He even has a pearl-handled six-gun, according to this article. And Alton Russell, according by his own his own admission, likes to impersonate um, Doc Holliday. You know, the the criminal, the well, Doc Holliday, the gunman from the OK Corral, you know, shootout. Um, and he considers Doc Holliday to um, be his, you know, his hero. And according to um, Mr. Russell, and I think, I believe this is actually on his website as well, quote, and I, I'm I'm going to mock him a bit. I'm going to use a little Southern accent. Quote, my name is Alton Russell, and I'm the Georgia tail teller. And I'm a to- toilet paper salesman. It is the way I make my living, wiping up. End quote. Well, you know, given what's going on in Georgia right now, I would venture to say that what Mr. Russell actually uh, is involved in is producing the need for toilet paper, if you get my drift. Okay? But anyway, you know, going back to Kemp's vigilante voter law, again, Alton Russell is the, the individual who challenged 4,000 people in his own district the right to vote, and one of them was Major Gamaliel Turner. Now, according to Georgia, you know, Kemp's vigilante voter law, um, there are targeted, there, excuse me, there, let me start again. According to the article, quote, Governor Kemp's vigilante voter law does provide targeted voters a way to challenge the challenge. I'm just reading from this, quote, the voter can request a court-like hearing at their county registrar's office where they can put their citizenship and address. They are guilty until they prove themselves innocent of what is, after all, a felony crime, end quote. Keep that in mind. These people that have been challenged, and it can happen to any one of us, are considered guilty of what is a felony crime, which is voting illegally, until they prove themselves innocent. It's the exact opposite of the way our system is supposed to work. So Major Turner has been stationed in California. And when he heard about how he could try and clear his name, he uh, sent a reply. He replied to the Muskegee, Muskogee County Columbus bureaucrat, quote, So you're telling me 2,600 miles away that if I want to vote, that all I have to do is show up and prove that as an American citizen that I have the right to vote again? You talk to fools like that. I'm not a fool, end quote. And it is unreasonable. Okay, so 
Turns out Alton Russell, you know, again, the wrong voter because Major Turner got some high-powered lawyers. They did go through the court process to get his ballot counted. Uh, it was very expensive, and according to Major Turner, he considered it to be, quote, a very expensive poll tax, uh, which is the fee charged to black voters in the era of Jim Crow segregation, end quote. And that's exactly what it is, okay? Um, you know, Turner went on, Major Turner went on to say that this blockade of his vote is a new version of Jim Crow. And he's right. I've called it Jim Crow 2.0. Um, to quote um, Major Gamaliel Turner's father, Reverend Harold Turner, who was assistant pastor to Reverend Abernathy and a co-founder of the Southern Christian Leadership Con- Conference, right alongside Abernathy and, yes, the late Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Reverend Harold Turner said the following, quote, I know because I was there, because it was Jim Crow. Now, Greg Pallast and his team had a surprise for Alton Russell, okay? What they did, and it's in the movie, too. It's in the documentary. In fact, it's, it's much better if you watch the documentary. I'll tell you that right now. They planned this little shtick, okay? Um, so, basically... Alton Russell thought he was actually getting a gig as a storyteller to perform his Doc Holliday vigilante act, and it was at this large home near Fort Benning, Georgia. And, of course, he didn't recognize any of the people there, including Major Gamaliel Turner, because he doesn't know them, all right? He just went to his old home, and Russell told this, you know, the group there, including Palace, how Doc Holliday was said to have shot some, quote, African-American boys, end quote, in cold blood. Uh, and then Palace checked, and according what they found was the black boys were Union soldiers uh, in the post-war occupation. So then Palace and his team introduced Alton Russell to his host, you know, the man whose home they were in, Major Gamaliel Turner, the very man that Alton Russell challenged to deny him his right to vote. And Major explained to Russell you know, how difficult it was to vote as a black man, especially while he's serving his nation. And Alton Russell stammered, stuttered, uh, made excuses, but never once apologized. Never once. Never once apologized for the injustice, uh, basically making a false accusation. You know, it's amazing how Kemp and Kobach and this Alton Russell failed to understand that when you make an accusation like that, claiming somebody is voting illegally, you are essentially making a police report and or the equivalent thereof. And filing a police, police excuse me, filing a false police report remains a felony in just about every state, to the best of my knowledge. But they don't care about that. Um, so again, you know, he was confronted with it. Alton Russell never once apologized. Okay. Not once. And in the same article, um, and if you watch the movie Vigilante, you'll see it. It's, it's it, it just the, it was beyond privilege, okay? Alton Russell, you know, clearly looked a little stunned. He clearly looked confused. Again, never once had any decency to apologize. That would have been beneath him in his mind, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know his mind. 
But it wasn't just Alton Russell. Cal was just talking about how he met with another vigilante, uh, a woman named Pam Reardon, who is running for the vice chair of the state Republican Party. Uh, Reardon outdid Alton Russell. She personally challenged 32,000 voters. Okay? And she admitted she never met any one of them. Um, and she defended herself on air by saying, quote, I did not speak to the 32,000 people, end quote. Okay, but she challenged their vote. So Pallas showed her a picture of a black neighbor of hers, and Reardon didn't know that person, but it was somebody whose vote she challenged. And once she was confronted with that, Reardon very angrily told me, get out, get out of her house. I thought, if, and there was a shotgun near the door, and Pallas said he was kind of worried she was going to use it. Um, again, the hypocrisy here is beyond the pale. And, you know, uh, these extremists don't, hypocrisy doesn't bother them. But understand this, hypocrisy is another way of lying. It's when your words and your actions contradict each other. And when you're faced with it, a decent person, a mature person would admit, okay, my bad, I did the wrong thing. These people don't. They just, they just kind of get aggressive. <clears throat> so, excuse me, Pam Reardon was actually worse than Alton Russell. <clears throat> Where do they get their information? Well, there are what Greg Palace calls voter hit list, okay? And there's this list of allegedly fraudulent Georgia voters. And the list, where'd they come from? Well, they came from a group called True the Vote. Comes out of Texas. And this is the same group of, to borrow a phrase, jackasses that produced this really slander, this really um, slanderous, defamatory film called 2,000 Mules, claiming that hundreds of black Georgians cast thousands of illegal votes. You know, where you see a black man going to a drop box, maybe he's depositing off you know, um, mail-in votes for his whole family. Okay? Not a big deal, but they imply that there's something more sinister. Uh, True the vote, where'd they get their list? Well, they claimed in part that they got their list from what's called the NCOA registry, which is the National Change of Address Registry. And that's available to the public through the U.S. Postal Service. In fact, most states in the United States use the NCOA, the Change of Address uh, Registry, to purge voter rolls, you know, to get rid of people purge the voter rolls of people that, that have moved from one state to another. Not a problem. But what the post office does, at least they're supposed to in theory, is check to make sure that someone just put a change of address for temporary purposes, like an absentee belt, like the major, uh, like who was a soldier in assignment, or what they were really just trying to get away with something. And so, uh, <laughs> basically, true the vote didn't bother to do that. They just took these change of addresses. They didn't verify whether or not some of these people were, had legitimate need for an absentee ballot. Major Turner had an ab, a legitimate need for an absentee ballot because he was on assignment over 2,000 miles away. And that was his family home in Columbus, Georgia. It had been that way for generations. Didn't matter. He had to spend a lot of money to get his vote counted. You think, okay, then Kemp and his group and Kobach, they wouldn't listen to True the Vote, right? Especially considering that as of this writing by Palace, the leaders of True the Vote are right now in prison 
They're in prison in Texas on the charges contempt of court. Why? Because they, quote, refuse to reveal their supposed source that supports their claims of a massive criminal voting ring, end quote. Straight from Palest article. Okay? You know, when you go to court and the judge says, produce your evidence, and you refuse to, yeah, they're going to put you in, in a jail cell for contempt. Period. <clears throat> and the only reason you risk that is because you know that that evidence will prove that you're guilty of the crimes you're accused of. Okay? But that's what's happening. And then True the Vote's website um, includes a lot of praise for vigilante attacks. Ironically, from the chief voting off official in Georgia, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, um, in fact, there was a, an, a news item on the, sec, on the Georgia Secretary of State's website in 2020, on December 18, 2020, entitled, True the Vote Partners with Georgians in Every County to Preemptively Challenge 364,541 Potentially Ineligible Voters, end quote. And then Raffensperger was quoted as saying, quote, though federal law restricts our ability to update our voter registration list, the elector challenge is a vehicle under our law to ensure voter integrity, end quote. So, uh, excuse me, another T. So those of you in the media, corporate media, that feel the need to hail Brad Raffensperger as some, you know, hero of voting rights, eh, wrong. No, he's not. The only reason he stood up to Donald Trump is because he didn't want to go to prison. That's all. It had nothing to do with any sense of integrity on Mr. Raffensperger's part. It's just that simple. Okay? If nothing else, that statement seems to encourage vigilantes. Okay? Um, now, Raffensperger, and I don't know if he won his election or not, he was running for re-election against Democratic State Rep. B. Wynn. Um, I don't know who won that, that outcome, that election. But what B. Wynn told the Palace Fund reporter Zach Rubbers was that, quote, what we are seeing is these vigilantes who are conspiracy theorists and are far right, and they are challenging the el eligibility of Georgians en masse, end quote. And then Wynn also told, uh, again, Palace Fund reporter Zach Roberts, that SB202, quote, has created a workaround to avoid federal law, which prohibits removing voters from registration within 90 days of an election, end quote. Now, according to this article, to try and do a workaround federal law could be a crime in and of itself because, uh, according to the article, I'll read straight from it, quote, collusion by a state with a private party to deprive citizens of color of the vote violates Section 1983 of the U.S. Code, uh, end quote. In fact, there's more here. Barb, to quote from the article again, quote, Barbara Arnwine of the Transformative Justice Coalition who taught at Columbia Law School and Attorney Gerald Riggs, president of the state NAACP, say this vigilante attack appears to violate several federal laws, including the Civil Rights Act, the National Voter Registration Act, and even the Ku Klux Act of 1871, end quote. So there's lawsuits. Kemp doesn't care. Okay. Um, now, in all fairness, 
just to let you know, the Palace Fund has created a website. It's called SaveMyVote2022.org, and there you can see, especially if you're a, if you're a Georgian, see if your your name is on a challenge list. Okay. Um, but there's a warning, and that's according to University of Georgia law professor emeritus Al Pearson, quote, even if you aren't on the list now, you could be challenged on election day or the day after, end quote. Okay. So this article ends with basically, you know, Major Turner introduced Palast to his 95-year-old father. Okay. You know, who again stood side by side and worked with Dr. King. In fact, their house was, you know, right on the other side. Um, you know, and, you know, Major Turner was, albeit, uh, Major Turner was outraged, and I, and rightfully so. And he went on to say, quote, this Major Turner, quote, the law says we have the vote, but no one ever said you have to count the vote. Neither I nor any of my people have the assurance that our vote was actually counted, end quote. Again, um, you can, the film is Vigilante, uh, Georgia's Vote Suppression Hitman. Uh, you can go to vigilantemovie.com. It is introduced and produced by Martin Sheen and narrated by Rosario Dawson. If you get a chance to see it, please do so. Okay. Um, this is an important documentary. So that's what happened in Georgia, and we use that as our kind of leaping off place. So I'm going to have another little sip of my tea here. Hopefully my voice will hold out. All right, so let's move on to the next story. And that is a story from Rolling Stone. Give me a second here. GOP. I thought I had it here. Yeah, here it is. Okay. So this is a story from Rolling Stone. It's about more what I call more GOP cheating. Uh, it was written by Nikki McCann Ramirez. The headline is, GOP officials caught instructing poll workers to secretly break rules, leaked audio. And the subheadline is, quote, Republicans in Michigan are working to take control of election proceedings by stocking polling places with undercover agents. And it was published September 8th, 2022. So Ramirez basically used video that had actually been obtained by CNN. And the video obtained by CNN showed that, quote, Wayne County Republican officials instructed uh, poll workers to act as, quote, undercover agents and counteract, quote, bad stuff happening in the election by secretly breaking rules regarding cell phone and pen usage in polling places. Let me see if I can get this to work. Thank you. 
Okay, so I'm going to get back to this. I hope you guys heard that. Um, basically, to reiterate, they had this video from CNN that showed Republican leaders, uh, whether they were committee people or whether they were, like, for instance, Trump lawyer Cleta Mitchell, they were all working to urge not just poll watchers, but to urge poll workers to basically break the law, bring in their phones to record, to write things down, to get too close to voters, uh, so much for keeping your vote confidential, right? Uh, and so, you know, once again, they were comparing it to secret agents. And this is, you know, just out of control, okay? So there was um, a group called the Election Integrity Force, EIF, and it was founded after the 2020 election, and it was founded by GOP loyalists who, you know, believed the big lie that Trump was cheated, all right? There was a big lie. Trump put it out there. He knew he lost, uh, and then basically he just kept – he thought he could steal the presidency by repeating basically this lie and having his thugs attack the Capitol. Um, in August, Politico – now, Politico is hardly – liberal, let's face it, quote, in August, Politico reported that the group which conducts training, those is election integrity force, for poll workers, observers, and poll challengers instructed their trainees to call 911 if they witnessed anything deemed suspicious at their polling place. And that was as documented by CNN.com. Now, there was, keep in mind, when you're calling 911 and accusing somebody of breaking law, of committing election fraud, you are essentially doing the equivalent of filing a false police report. And this is where the Dems need to grow up there and, and push that idea, because filing a false police report is a felony. There was this leak call, and EIF founder, again, in the, if you heard the audio, he was also former state senator, Patrick Kolbeck, made the claim that, quote, none of the constraints that they're putting on this are legal, end quote. Uh, and then his, the co-host, GOP County Chairwoman Cheryl Constantino, again in the, in the audio, if you heard it, advised the workers to, quote, just hide their cell phones and, quote, to hide a small pad and, and a small pen or something like that because you need to take accurate notes, um, you know, end quote. This is something that, and if you think, well, this was just an isolated event, no, it wasn't. Uh, Michigan is one of the states that's been pushing these election disruption um, strategies. Again, as documented by RollingStone.com. And, you know, the author of this piece, you know, Ramirez, also goes on to explain further that um, this is something that's been going on for quite a while. And... According to the article, quote, in June, Politico obtained video footage of meetings between Michigan GOP operatives and activists discussing plans to create an army of lawyers and poll watchers poised to challenge election results virtually in real time. The time, the end quote, the video footage was from Politico. Now, on that part there, I don't have a problem with them having an army of lawyers. Our side should also. But you still have to play by the rules. You can't accuse people of crimes and not have evidence. You can't file false police reports. 
you know, so let's stop this spin and let's talk about what it really is. So uh, Ramirez, the author of this article in Rolling Stone, also quoted Jennifer Morell, who is the co-founder of the Elections Group. And Morell described the problem to CNN as a, quote, group of people operating on their own outside of the statutory requirements and procedures, end quote, and also warned the situation, quote, creates a recipe for, at best, 10 situations and at worst, escalating to violent confrontation, end quote, given that observers, quote, don't need to see something that's an actual problem. They could record or take notes of something they don't think looks right, end quote, and then the situation would escalate. Okay. So, you know, this is what the immaturity, this is what we're dealing with. Okay. Let's move on to the next article. And hopefully you actually heard the audio. Again, I'm not a tech person, so I'm not sure if you heard it or not. That's why I went back and, and described it. Okay, so now we have to go on to um, our next piece. Okay. And that is a piece from, again, Mother Jones. Again, about vigilantes. Okay, give me a second here. This was posted November 8th, 2022. It is a piece in Mother Jones written by reporter Abby Vasoulis. The headline is, Vigilantes are intimidating voters and election workers. That's nothing new in America. And the subtitle is, quote, Voters have reported armed individuals guarding ballot drop boxes and in some cases photographing and threatening them, end quote. Now, I'm going to say, just as an aside, you know, I voted absentee because I have a chronic health condition, all right? I have COPD diagnosed like 25 years ago or so, never smoked. Apparently, you can get it from having had chronic bronchitis. That's all an aside. And even though I'm fully vaxxed and boosted, um, the threat of COVID to me is still there, and so I'm allowed to vote absentee in Missouri. Um, and, you know, I did so. And I, I can tell you right now that if some fool tried to challenge my vote, since they knew my name, I was going to find a way to get their name, and I would sue them. I would sue them on a personal level, and I'd want to press criminal charges against them. I'm not playing. You can't make a false accusation, especially when you don't have any evidence. And I think we just need to fight it. All right, so this piece in Mother Jones. Uh, the point is this has gone on for a long time, and communities of color know it better than anyone else, especially Hispanic and especially the black community. Make no mistake about it. Okay. So this starts out where the, where the reporter – where Abby Vasoulis describes a man named Billy Wooten. And Mr. Wooten has been running elections in Chatham County in Georgia for like 25 years. And he started out as a poll worker, then as a trainer, you know, training other poll workers. And now he's a county board of election supervisor. So Mr. Wooten has some authority. Now, I'm just going to read straight from this, okay, because I don't want to misconstrue anything. Quote, this is regarding Mr. Wooten as, in his role as the Chatham County's 
Board of Elections Supervisors in Chatham County, Georgia. Quote, for the most part, his instructions, Mr. Wooten's, for the 15 or so poll workers who showed up for an October 14th orientation weren't that different from years past. He always explains how to work the technology, how to respond when a voter shows up at the incorrect polling location, and what to do with the bags of ballots at the end of election night. But increasingly, Wooten, 67, has had to supplement his training with tips on how to respond to election integrity skeptics, and especially the ones who have signed up to become poll watchers, end quote. And again, this is because these poll watchers have become very aggressive. Uh, Wooten was quoted as saying in a southern accent, quote, this is a content, quote, this is a contentious time in elections. Some people might decide they're going to they're going to be trouble, end quote. Now, the feds did throw some resources at this ongoing and growing problem of voter intimidation and other forms of voter suppression. And according to this article quoted Kim Wyman, who is the senior election security advisor at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, to quote Ms. Wyman, quote, We have been working year-round with state and local officials to share timely information and resources, conduct physical security assessments, and provide trainings on how to recognize and respond to potentially escalating situations, end quote. Now, this particular agency that Ms. Wyman works for, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, is housed under the Department of Homeland Security, Okay. So this is serious stuff. And apparently they had a national training on what they call de-escalation techniques. And then they released another video uh, for those who couldn't attend the meeting. Uh, the video suggests, and again, the video as documented by on YouTube, quote, instead of pointing your finger, the video suggests you, quote, keep your hands down, open, and visible at all times, end quote. It also warns that rapid breathing, I'm reading straight from this, clenched fits, and nervous laughter can be signs of imminent danger, end quote. You know, to me, that's not enough, okay? Of course you want to de-escalate because you don't want anybody to get hurt. You don't want anybody to get shot. But the fact is that particular agency and Homeland Security should be treating these Jim Crow tactics as the domestic terrorism it is put bluntly and they should be going after the people that not only plot this but also help fund it and I mean there should be criminal charges that's it it's no and to me this seems like a very tepid response and not just tepid it reminds me of you know the difference between Neville Chamberlain and Winston Churchill lead up to Hitler's rise you know Neville Chamberlain believed in appeasement in fact, truth be told, a lot of my own people, the Jewish people, believed in it too. And they kept believing in appeasement until six million of them were enslaved and then thrown into ovens. Needless to say, I don't believe in appeasement anymore. Um, that being said, there was a March survey from the Brennan Center from, for Justice. And you can see it at BrennanCenter.org. And it found that approximately a fifth of all local election administrators were planning to leave that job before 24 
and because they were afraid for their own safety. Okay. There was an October survey from Reuters that found that two sets of voters were also worried about threats of violence or voter intimidation. We shouldn't be allowing this. These are thugs. You don't have to risk your life, but if you see armed thugs at a basically a, a, a ballot box that you know is co- collecting uh, mail-in ballots, discreetly get out your phone and film them. Get their license plates numbers because these people need to be criminally prosecuted. While you may have in some states the right to open carry, there's a difference between open carry and brandishing for the purpose of threatening. Two totally different things, and these people are brandishing. Okay? It's my opinion. Uh, So, you know, Wooten estimated uh, later in this article there were about 150 people that um, marched around the building that they were working in, and they were singing onward Christian soldiers. They carried Trump flags, and Wooten said, quote, I kept thinking that the walls of the building would fall. Okay? Um, this, there's nothing new here. This is about making people so intimidated they won't vote. And in some states it worked. I suspect that's what happened in Georgia, where it's some of the worst. Okay? But there's nothing new about this. And that's what Ramirez is pointing about in this article. Okay? And she goes into some gory detail, voter intimidation. And, and not just intimidation, but following, including voter violence, violence against voters, that is. So she goes into the idea that, first of all, okay, the U.S. ratified the 15th Amendment, which was supposed to safeguard the voting rights of black men, not black women. Okay, women didn't have the vote yet. And that was in 1870. Okay. Um, of course, there was no guarantee. In fact, far from it. You know, this is an instance where when you have a law in the books but no enforcement mechanism, no consequences for those who would attack you, then you really don't have a right. Okay. In 1920, there was a white mob that ordered black men over and over again in O.C., Florida, to leave the precinct where they were trying to vote. And apparently there's an account that one black man returned to the vote, returned to that same polling place, and there was this large group of white men and that included members of the KKK, Ku Klux Klan. They killed several black men. And basically, this is as documented by WashingtonPost.com. Historic accounts say there were anywhere between six and 60 black men that were killed just for trying to vote. This is, I'm really going over this article. This is for white listeners who maybe they're liberals and they just don't get it. They don't believe the how blacks in particular have have voted and have risked their lives to vote, and they need to believe it. We are not post-racial, and white liberals that have lived very uh, safe lives need to get over themselves. You know, I had a classmate recently get upset with me because I've been on this, you know, on this, uh, you know, this rant. You know, Dr. King complained about white liberals because, again, they were there if for us, for communities of color and other minorities, if it was safe for them. And the second it got a little less than safe, then it was too much for them. I had a couple friends claim that. You know, 
I have no respect for that level of cowardice. Okay, if that's the case, then don't call yourself a liberal because you're not. You're a coward. All right. It, it uh, you know, I agree with Dr. King. An injustice against one is an, un, an injustice against all. And again, there's too many white liberals that just don't get it. They think since Barack Obama was elected, we're post-racial. What utter nonsense. All right. So there's another instance. Uh, 1962, there were poll watchers in Phoenix, Arizona. All right. They stood outside precincts and they demanded black voters read an excerpt of the Constitution to prove their literacy. This is based on research from, um, oh gosh, I can't see that. Let me get my magnifier. I need new glasses, folks. Research from um, nyplpt.org. It was also cited in a Texas civil rights. It was cited in a 2021 report by the Texas Civil Rights Project, and that's this document by texascivilrights.org. And so, again, no white voter was ever asked to prove their literacy. Okay, and that's the least of it. Blacks were asked to guess how many jelly beans were in a large jar. Sometimes they had to pass a literacy test that a doctoral candidate would have had trouble with. It's ridiculous. And, oh, yeah, for those of you that think originalists and conservative jurists on the Supreme Court actually have integrity, wrong. Because guess who what? Guess who one of those? Guess who was amidst those poll watchers in Phoenix, Arizona? William Rehnquist, the man who later became a chief justice of the Supreme Court. Turns out, Mr. Rehnquist was a rabid racist. He never should have been allowed on the court, but. You know, that's what happens when conservatives take control. My opinion, I'm entitled to it. Then in 1981, the Republican National Committee uh, uh, assembled, brought together this entity that they called the National Ballot Security Task Force, and that was in New Jersey, and that's as documented by Politico.com. This was written, again, Ronald Reagan, right? How many alleged... Republican moderates, have you claimed Reagan wasn't racist? He was in Hollywood. He was socially more liberal. He just was a fiscal conservative. I'm going to say a bad word. Bullshit. Because if you can go along with this, you're a racist. And he went along with it. Republican National Committee brought together this entity called the National Ballot Security Task Force in New Jersey in 1981. What did it do? It put armed off-duty police officers and armed private security guards at black polling locations. Okay? Visual threat right there. No doubt about it. Uh, They also distributed literature claiming Democrats would argue was voter intimidation. And among the literature, there was a poster. It said in big letters, Warning, this is from the poster in 1981, quote, this area is being patrolled by the National Ballot Security Task Force. It is a crime to falsify a ballot, end quote, especially for voters that can't afford attorneys that, you know, they're going to turn away. Of course they are. And given the level of violence against the black community coming from police, This was as dirty as it comes. Now, 
what happened was the RNC in 1982 did sign a consent decree, and it required a federal court to review future election security programs. Okay, so they that was kind of like a little admission of guilt, but not enough. Unfortunately, that particular um, consent decree was lifted, according to NPR. It's documented by NPR.org, National Public Radio. That order was lifted by a judge in 2018. I'm stunned. No, I'm not actually. But there's more, okay? There's more modern efforts to disenfranchise voters, and these are efforts that are a little sneakier. You know, a lot of whites can't understand why, for instance, getting a new ID is so difficult. They just don't get it. Because they go, they get an ID, it's easy. Maybe they lived in the same community their whole life. But if, for instance, if you are lower income and black, and let's say you moved from Alabama to Texas, okay? Maybe you're 80 years old. And after 9-11, there were new laws passed where you couldn't just send away for the necessary documentation, whether it's a birth certificate, whatever. You actually had to show up in person. Somebody on a limited income just cannot afford to travel from, say, Alabama to Texas for the purpose of getting that documentation. In fact, nowadays in the age of Zoom, that should be unnecessary. You should be able to do it by a Zoom call and, you know, basically do the Zoom call from your free from your public library. But this is why obtaining an ID is so difficult. Because because of those additional requirements, that becomes an unnecessary pull tax. You know, I would love to see somebody try and do that to me because I've lived in this house for almost 17 years. All right, make it, make no mistake about it. I, I would sue the no good SOB and I'd press criminal charges, but that's me. Okay, so anyway, some of these basically <clears throat> voter suppression tactics are more subtle, okay? Uh, for instance, in Texas, they passed a law in 2021 that gave poll watchers what they call, quote, free movement at precincts. And get this, that law, quote, makes it a criminal offense to obstruct their view. And that is as documented by the TexasTribune.org. <clears throat> so I guess in Texas for that law, if I'm filling out a ballot, and I'm not a white person. I guess these poll watchers could literally look over my shoulder to see who I'm voting for. What about my rights? That's bull. Um, now, according to Emily Abbey, who is the Texas Civil Rights Project senior election protection attorney, quote, there's more protections for covert racism within the polling place. This kind of sneaky, plausible deniability intimidation is very much a way of the future. Uh, again, the Georgia law allows any voter to challenge as many voter registrations as they want. Again, no proof of their allegations is necessary. All right. And again, Miss Abby from the Texas Civil Rights Project, she put it in a very sophisticated, very um, classy way that, quote, once again, I'll read it again. This kind of sneaky, plausible deniability intimidation is very much a wave of the future, end quote. I compare this to, in previous generations, the, how difficult it is to prove, say, overt racism to, say, overt anti-Semitism. 
You know, my mother used to tell me with racism, if somebody does something ignorant to a black person, it's obvious. The bigots don't back down, but it's obvious. With anti-Semitism, it's much harder to prove because you look white enough, and they do it in sneaky ways that allow some plausible deniability. And what they've done is they've taken what they used to do to Jews and, again, to Muslims, and they're applying it to everybody, especially the black community. Okay? Uh, but according to this article, independent groups have used tactics that are closer to what was used in the early 1900s. Uh, in Arizona, no shock there, right? In Maricopa and Yavapai counties, I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, uh, voters reported, uh, quote, I'm just going to read this out loud. This is according to theguardian.com. Quote, in Arizona's Maricopa, infamous Maricopa, right, and Yavapai, Yavapai counties, voters have reported armed individuals guarding ballot drop boxes and in some cases photographing and threatening them. In Iowa, a man was recently arrested for allegedly threatening voicemails to hang an Arizona election uh, official. The Iowa story was as documented by Justice.gov. The Arizona part was as documented by TheGuardian.com. Um, and then, of course, you have another group that's more similar to the National Ballot Security Tax Force, during the, the 80s and the Reagan-Bush administration, there's a group that's co-founded by Donald Trump. Uh, I'm sorry, let me go back up. There's a group that's co-founded by former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. And, you know, my, Michael Flynn's, let's face it, a traitor. And he's funding an organization, according to the DailyBeast.com, where he's trying to recruit, quote, law enforcement officers and military veterans to become poll watchers according to the Daily Beast, end quote. Because, so, of course, you know, the sight of police officers and soldiers fully armed wouldn't be intimidating at all. Nah, you believe that? I have a bridge in Brooklyn I can sell really cheap. And you believe that? Then Donald Trump really is a brain surgeon. I mean, it's that absurd. Um, anyway, there's a comment here from Jasleen Singh, who is a counsel for the Brennan Center for Justice's Democracy Program, to... Quote, Counsel Jasmine Singh, quote, what we're seeing is a far more organized and cohesive recruitment effort by election denier groups to gather poll watchers, official and unofficial, to monitor polls and which results in intimidating voters, end quote. One other thing I'd like to point out, we need to stop calling it election deniers. These people are not election deniers. They are liars. Stop mollycoddling them. Stop soft-peddling them. These people that push that, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's a lie. They are liars. I'm tired of this. A little more tea. Then you've got also far-right social media websites like Gab and Truth Social. Um, They've stated that they plan, quote, to serve as official party or candidate-designated poll workers, End quote, and that's according to a November 7th Politico report. So there's nothing wrong or illegitimate about poll watching if it's done by the rules. Okay, The rules are you have both parties represented or all parties represented. They do not interfere with voters. They, are, they do not come armed. They do not intimidate. They do not make false allegations about voters. All right? 
And again, to quote, um, I, I'm sorry, I lost my place here. To quote, um, once again, Miss Ebby, let me go back here. Yes, to quote um, the election protection attorney, Emily Ebby, who's with the Texas Civil Rights Project. She goes on to say that, um, quote, there are plenty of poll watchers who stand peacefully in the polling place, observe the process, report any irregularities, and go about it without ever bothering any voters, end quote. Okay? Uh, again, Jasleen Singh, who's with the Brennan Center, was quoted as saying, um, you know, talking about actual harm done by poll watchers, uh, and that it's, it's usually rare. But, and Singh goes on to say, quote, generally speaking, the elections are going to run smoothly as they usually do. The vast majority of voters in this country should be able to confidently go to the polls and cast their ballot, end quote. But have you noticed the places where this is the most egregious, where the poll watchers are armed and threatening, are also the very places where the elections are very close? Okay, because they know... The GOP knows that if everybody is allowed to vote, they're going to lose. Okay? Notice, you don't hear Mitch McConnell denouncing this. You don't hear Rick Scott denouncing it. You don't hear who's on uh, this this week with George Stephanopoulos. You don't ever hear Chris, Chris Christie denouncing it. He just kind of, again, pushes the false equivalency nonsense. And it's Again, because they know it's wrong. They just do. Okay. So how did this come about? All right. been talking for about an hour. Now I'm going to take a little sip of my tea again. Because, again, hopefully my voice will hold up. Asthma and COPD are just not fun. So I found this article on Slate, and it was written by Mark Joseph Stern, who is an excellent journalist, especially when it comes to um, uh, legal issues. And this was published November 9th, 2022, just a few days ago. And it gets straight to the point. The uh, headline is, quote, how the Supreme Court likely handed control of the House to Republicans. And this deals with gerrymandering. And you think, okay, why is this important? Why is it considered part of voter suppression? Aren't you supposed to count, like, the entire total of votes? Well, yes and no. See, what happens with gerrymandering is they dilute the uh, power of minority votes by carving districts that look ridiculous. Okay, there is a di- – now, it was for a Democrat initially, but there is a district here in Missouri, 3rd District, used to be held by Dick Gephardt, and then after that, um, Carnahan, but it's – a big part of South City and part of South County. And there's this little string that goes all the way out to the rural area. It's ridiculous, all right? Um, They carved up where I live now in St. Louis County, used to be Missouri's second congressional district, okay? And then so many years ago, they carved up, so it became part of the first. This has very real implications. You have to remember that, each district elects their own U.S. congressperson. And if you dilute the votes of minorities, then basically a lot of conservatives, white, Christian, 
you know, conservatives will usually win because, again, you don't have enough different voters in a group. And why is the House of Representatives so important? We saw that on January 6th. We saw that because the House of Representatives basically finalizes the Electoral College count. But there's something more egregious at work, and we'll talk about it in another show. There is a theory that is being pushed uh, by GOP thieves. I've written about it. It's called the Independent State Legislature's Doctrine. And in theory, that doctrine could make sure that we never have a fair election ever again, not for the House of Representatives. And the Independent State Legislature's Doctrine basically says, in short, that on a very strained originalist reading of the Constitution, if, a independent, if, an, if after a presidential election um, the, the electoral votes are counted and that state legislature, whether it's in Missouri or Florida or whatever, if they don't like the results, they have the authority, allegedly, to toss out those votes and assign their own electoral college electors. So in theory, if this had been allowed to happen in 2020, what would have happened is, let's say, you know, um, Michigan went for, for Biden, but the legislature was, the state legislature was controlled by Republicans. They could theoretically, illegally throw out those votes and say, no, we don't like that. Our electors are going to go for Trump. It is stealing the election. But in order to do that, you have to make sure that you have a majority of the people you want in the state legislature, in your independent state, and then also in the House of Representatives. This is a way to steal presidential elections and make sure that we never have a fair election again. And I did a piece as part of my judicial capture series at BuzzFlash. I encourage you to read it. Um, we will be talking about that another time. But getting back to this piece that ran in Slate by Mark Joseph Stern. Quote, how the Supreme Court likely handed control of the House to Republicans. That's the name. So this is something we really need to worry about. And again, the reason we have to worry is because of a Supreme Court ruling back in February. Okay? So basically, right now, it looks like the Democrats, to back up a little bit, has held on to the Senate majority. We don't know what's happening in the House yet. But Republicans are forecast to win control of the House by a very small margin, according to CBSNews.com. Now, if that projection is true, um, it's, not, it's not ludicrous to say that the conservative majority on the Supreme Court took control of that House of Representatives for Republicans, that they engineered this. And it all goes back to this again, this Supreme Court vote. It was a 5-4 vote in February where the Supreme Court, I'm just going to read straight from this, where the Supreme Court, quote, suspended the Voting Rights Act ban on racial gerrymandering, okay, and I'm going to end quote, and I'm going to go ahead a little more, quote, for decades, the VRE, in other words, Voting Rights Act, prohibited states from drawing congressional maps that dilute 
the votes of racial minorities by depriving them of a fair opportunity to elect their preferred representatives. Sensing an ally in the judiciary, red states brazenly violated this principle during the latest round of redistricting. In states like Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, South Carolina, and Texas, Republican lawmakers packed racial minorities into as few districts as possible. These lawmakers then carved up remaining minority communities, distributing them through majority white districts, end quote. So I'm reading straight from this article, so I'm, nobody can say I'm misquoting anybody. Take another sip of tea. Let's go on. Ah, give me a second here, folks. So the article goes on to say the following, quote, this tactic is the exact kind of racial gerrymandering that the VRA, the Voting Rights Act, was designed to prevent. And the courts have consistently blocked racial gerrymanders from happening every cycle. The only question was whether the Supreme Court, with its newly confirmed far-right supermajority, would actually enforce the VRE's previous guarantees, end quote. So here's what happened. There was an early test. Voting rights advocates filed this lawsuit against Alabama's new congressional map. And Alabama's new congressional map basically placed most black residents into this one big district. And then if there were a few blacks throughout, they just they kind of put them through into overwhelming white districts. So this is very egregious, okay? Um, and according to this article by Stern, you know, quote, it's hard to think of a clearer example of illegal re racist redistricting. And the article goes on to say, quote, the map was so egregious that a three-judge district court with two Donald Trump appointees struck it down in January, writing a meticulous 225-page opinion rigorously applying the VRA, end quote. And the case is called Merrill v. Milligan. So at the beginning of the show, I had in the, the ad, I made a mistake. Merrill v. Milligan is actually what protected against racial uh, gerrymandering. Again, I can admit when I made a mistake. So what did Alabama do? Well, they asked the Supreme Court to stop the decision. And that's what happened. On February 7th, there was a 5-4 vote. The Supreme Court agreed, quote, issuing a stay that ensured the gerrymandered map would remain in effect for the midterms, end quote. Okay. Now, this article goes on to explain that the, uh, the conservative supermajority didn't offer any explanation or analysis, not a single word. It goes on to say also you think it's a 5-4 vote because Chief Justice John Roberts, who has always hated the Voting Rights Act, he's made his life's work to destroy it. He felt that he had to dissent because he saw that the district court, quote, this is Robert's words, quote, properly applied existing law in an extensive opinion with no apparent errors for our correction, end quote. Arch conservatives Kavanaugh and Alito, they insisted that the problem wasn't the VRA, but it was just that changing the map right now is too close to the election. And they used this, this uh, thing called the Purcell Principle, and that basically cautions federal courts um, well, basically, the Purcell principle, quote, cautions against federal courts changing voting rules on the eve of an election. Okay, fine. But there's more. Okay, um, first of all, this was in February. 
months. It wasn't close to the election at all. You know, it's many months before the election. So the Purcell principle should never have been applied. Kavanaugh and Alito knew they were wrong, but they pushed ahead anyway. Okay. So the Milligan case um, did have more impact, though. There was a federal judge in Georgia, uh, according to electionlawblog.org, who said the state had drawn in that that Georgia had drawn a similar racial gerrymander. But, quote, it declined to impose new maps, explain that Milligan implied courts had to wait until after the midterms, end quote. Again, that's because the federal judge, he admitted in Georgia, on, let, let me back up here. The Milligan case said, nah, you can't gerrymander, okay? But then Alabama took him to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court conservatives said, we're going to use this Purcell principle. It's too close to the election to change things now. So you're stuck with this gerrymandered map. So basically the conservatives were elevating this this uh, principle, which really isn't law, cautioning against changing voting rules before uh, on the eve of an election when they were months, several months ahead. It was not the eve of the election at all. And they elevated it above actual voting rights. And then federal judge in Georgia said, yeah, you know what, this is illegal racial gerrymandering, but I'm not going to change it because the Milligan said, you know, we have to wait until after midterms, which is not what the Milligan decision said. Okay? At all. Now, there was a a three-judge district court, uh, according to Stop, I can't see this now. According to storagecourtlistener.com, there was a three-district, a three-judge district court. They refused to block Texas's new congressional map, which gerrymandered Black and Latino representation, even though both groups had grown substantially in Texas just within the past decade. Okay, there was a federal judge in South Carolina that, according to this slow walk to suit according to Greenville Online, um, over, again, South Carolina's racial gerrymandering of congressional districts, when the federal judge dared to invalidate Louisiana's racial gerrymander, and that is as, uh, let me see now, yeah, it says here, quote, and when a federal judge dared to invalidate Louisiana's racial, racial gerrymander, the Supreme Court reinstated it just in case his intervention in Milligan wasn't clear enough. And the reinstatement, that's according to SCOTUSblog.com. SCOTUS stands for the Supreme Court of the United States. Okay? So we have conservatives on the Supreme Court that, again, they, play, they said racial gerrymandering is okay as long as it's not too close to the election. And, again, the original challenge from Alabama happened in February. Last February. So do the count. March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Nine months. How in the hell is nine months from the election considered to be on the eve of the election? Even with the Purcell principle, there's no way it should have been applied. That was totally inappropriate. I don't have to be an attorney to figure this one out. But again, this is 
Jim Crow revisited, Jim Crow 2.0, and this is exactly how the Supreme Court engineered the GOP takeover of the House of Representatives. And the next case coming up is going to be Moore v. Harper. That's the Independent State Legislature's Doctrine. We will be talking again about it some more. But this is outrageous. Okay, there, there is no legitimate reason for any of this. None. So, let's go back now to, again, one of my favorite, one of my favorite features now. We have the Jackass of the Week Award. So give me a second here. Get my notes together, because this is a very special Jackass, let me tell you. All right. Let me... Yeah, here it is. Okay, so getting my notes together here. Let's get started with the Jackass of the Week Award. We have a very special Jackass. Here we go. Welcome to Progressive News Network's Jackass of the Week Award. Bray on, Jack, Bray on. Okay, there, it won't stop, there we go. All right, so we have a very special jackass this week. It goes back to the first story I did referencing Greg Palast's wonderful documentary, um, Vigilante, you have to see it. And remember, we they talked about this story about Major Gamaliel Turner. He's serving in the military. He's 2,600 miles away on an assignment with the U.S. military, so he wanted an absentee ballot. He's from Columbus, Georgia. He's lived in that same family home his entire life, all right? And his vote, among others, was challenged by a GOP committee, per, committee chair, Alton Russell, you know, the guy who idolizes Doc Holliday. And so, you know, after that, I decided I was going to call Alton Russell. You know, and you think, well, how did I get his phone number? Actually, it's pretty easy to get almost anybody's phone number. You just kind of word your search online a certain way. And I obtained his phone number because he's got this website bragging about how he's such a wonderful storyteller. And anyway, I called him, and this was just the other day. And he texted me back, by the way, so I can prove this. So... I said, you know, I have some questions. Uh, I saw, you know, the film uh, Greg Palace Vigilante. You know, you challenged uh, voting rights of some 4,000 people. And I have some questions. So, and my questions were the following. What actual evidence, verified evidence, did you have to justify your challenges? And what is the source of your information you used to base these allegations of voter fraud? Okay. Did your challenge challenges trigger criminal complaints against those you challenged? All right. That's all I asked the man. And he retorted with basically, well, first of all, those people. Now, you know, let's be honest. When somebody says it like you people, those people, he's not referring to white folk. Okay. He said, those people, quote, by their own actions 
All right, and then he goes on to say, claim they filed change of address cards and then tried to hide to vote in his county. Okay, fine. So I countered with the issue of absentee voters, such as military officer Major Gamaliel Turner that was in Palace Film. And he's, he's sitting right in front of Turner in the film, okay? And he, before I had a chance to finish, he said, those are false. Then I reminded him, sir, filing a false police report, which is kind of what you're doing, remains a felony. At that point, he hung up. Okay? And this happened on Friday. And then I called him back, and his machine was on. So I left a message for him. And he, can't believe he did this, um, he was dumb enough to text me back. And he texted me the following, quote, I do not trust you to report all the facts. When I told you that was not true, you got mad. I can't trust you, so no comment. Well, he proved my point. And I responded with the following in my text, quote, you are too funny. Actually, I always document. Believe what you will, but my documentation is whether greater minds than yours. On a personal note, if someone challenged my vote, and un with unverified information, I would sue them out of existence and, yes, press criminal charges. Filing a false police report is a felony. Now, and then I went on to say, furthermore, your no-comment response speaks volumes. You have to remember, maybe it will be interpreted as a false police report by the courts. Maybe not. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know for sure. But in terms of the reality of the situation, to me, when you challenge somebody's right to vote, claiming that they are committing, they want to commit voter fraud, that's making a criminal accusation. And while basically voter fraud is a felony, so is filing a false police report or complaint. So for that and so many other reasons, and actually I could have used that other woman. Let me find this again. This is why. Alton Russell, vote suppressor, received our Jackass of the Week Awards! Bray on, Alton! Alton, bray on! You go, boy! You never sounded so intelligent. Okay, so, anyway, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. There will be more. Um... We are going to have on the Environmental Justice Report Libby Halevy, who's an ant, a, a very prominent anti-nuclear activist, <clears throat> very respected. I'm hoping she will do a regular segment for us. And let me find my notes are all over the place, folks. This, believe it or not, I do have notes, and I really I use them because I can't remember all that stuff. So that's our show. I'm just going to give a few final thoughts. All right. You know, you hear a lot of alleged moderate Republicans talk about how democracy is the majority will. You know, if, if you want gay marriage rights, then it has to come to a vote. And I say, or if you want to have full rights for any minority, it has to come to a vote. Eh, wrong. The fact is this. Fundamental human rights should never have to be subjected to a vote of the majority. There are our rights. And this is why I totally reject the idea of originalism. I think it's a scam. 
and it's a way to basically maintain the unjust status quo, which grants white Christian straight males privilege over the rest of us, period. Okay? The Constitution should be a living document, and when it's a question of human rights being violated, it should always err on the side of human rights. That's it. It's not rocket science, folks. So no, my human rights, your human rights, should not have to be subject to a vote. The fact that black men had to wait in order for the Constitution to change in order to get their voting rights. The fact that women had to have the Constitution change in order to gain their voting rights. The fact that the LGBTQ community had to wait for court cases to gain their human rights is outrageous. Bottom line is this. The reason why new immigrants hold up the United States as something to emulate is because of the pretty words. The pretty words that elevate equality under the law. But unfortunately, we have yet to manifest that particular ideal into reality. In fact, the reality is quite the opposite. And so for me, I don't care who it is, but when I hear Republicans like Chris Christie, for instance, or, or, or Governor Sununu talking about how we have to be reasonable, you know, this has to come to a vote of the public, not when it's about somebody's human rights. They're just there because they're human rights. That's it. It's called justice, not just us, for a reason. As Dr. King so wisely said, when, when the rights of one are endangered, we are all endangered. It's a paraphrase. With that, I say good night and God bless us and please share widely. Thank you. <laughs>